Hello, everyone, and welcome to the It Goes Without Saying podcast. It is me, Cass, your host. I am extremely uncomfortable doing this by myself, and I don't know where to look. But this is my first solo video podcast, and I'm very excited because today is a year since I had my hysterectomy. Yay! I'm calling it my hysterectomy anniversary, and it's just a great day. So we're going to chat about it for a little bit. A year ago, um, October 26, 2022, I had a hysterectomy at 24 years old. And that was something that I had been waiting for for essentially a decade. So big moment for me. When I got my official Lyme disease diagnosis at the age of 14, I learned some things about Lyme. And one of the things that I learned about was that Lyme disease can be passed from mother to child in utero. And the second that I heard that, I knew that I was not going to have biological children because passing this disease on to someone else is like my worst fear. I would never wish this and the pain and the suffering and the financial worry and everything that comes with this onto any human. And I just knew that wasn't going to be for me. I also had heard that it can be really hard for women with Lyme to um, conceive and to keep viable pregnancies. So I just knew that wasn't for me. So I always kind of said that people didn't really take me seriously because I was 14. Flash forward, I'm bad with math, let's say like eight years, and I get the official endometriosis diagnosis. So I did a whole episode on endo and I've talked about it a lot, but endometriosis is essentially when the endometrium tissue that grows inside of your uterus starts growing outside of your uterus and it causes so many issues, heavy bleeding, extreme pain, and it doesn't just stay around like your reproductive organs. It can go everywhere. And for me, my whole life, I got my period for the first time when I was, I think, 11 years old. And from my very first period, my periods were extremely heavy. I remember I would have to go change my pads like every half hour while in school. When I finally started using tampons, I would bleed through a super tampon in like 15 minutes. At night, I would sleep with the giant like diaper pads. I would bleed through those, my underwear, my shorts, the towel that I slept on, my sheets onto my mattress. And on top of the heavy bleeding, just excruciating pain, I would crawl across the floor because standing hurt. I would lay in the weirdest positions. I always talk about one time I remember laying in my dad's chair and my head was dangling off like the footrest. My legs were up like the left corner and my arms were kind of like splayed out because that was literally the only position where I wasn't in excruciating pain. At one point, they actually gave me a prescription pain medication that they only give to people when like their cramps are bad and you can only take it for three days in a row because it's like so powerful and that didn't even do anything for me. So just a lot of pain and I was on the next plan on birth control in my arm for a long time because I also, along with the heavy periods and the pain, I bled for three weeks out of the month. So I was in this excruciating pain, bleeding this much, becoming anemic, becoming all just 
like when you're bleeding that much, that's not normal. Things are not right if that's the case. And I was just pretty much fucked up. So I was the one that had to ask my doctor. I begged my doctor essentially for my first endometriosis surgery. I had suspected that I had endometriosis starting back in 2019. I know false. I'm pretty sure this was 2017. In 2017, I interned for The Mighty. If you don't know about The Mighty, I love The Mighty here. It is an online blogger site that talks about mental health issues, chronic illnesses, and I was a chronic illness intern and I worked specifically on the endometriosis beat. And as I'm writing these articles and talking to these other women that have endo, I was like, holy shit, I think that's me. That's what I experienced. I didn't know that this wasn't normal because people don't talk about periods that much and how things are supposed to be. And that's when I first kind of got onto the endo train. And I went to my doctor. I told her, I said, hey, I think I have this thing called endometriosis. And she was like, hmm, well, it's really hard to test for it. So we normally just put people on birth control. That's when I went on the next one on. When I came off the next one on in 2021, that was when things just started getting real. No, I'm getting my years all mixed up. There's been, it's been 11 years of this stuff. I just can't get the years straight. We'll get there. When I came off the next one on, that is when my periods picked up again because I did not have a period for two years while I was on the next one on. It was lovely. Came off the next one on, started bleeding immediately. And my periods were then once again, back to what it was, pre-birth control, three weeks out of every month, not bleeding for a week out of the month. And then I started getting way more hormonal issues too, which I still kind of deal with, but they're getting way better. Anywho, had the first endometriosis surgery and they go in laparoscopically and the doctor found the endometriosis and he removed it. But the thing with endo is you have excision and ablation. Excision is when they cut it all out. Fabulous. Ablation, they burn it out. And I've actually found that that can actually cause the endometriosis to grow back faster because, you know, burning things makes it irritated. It's going to grow. And I had had specifically asked my doctor if he would do excision, not ablation. He said yes. And I later found out that he did ablation as well. So after my first surgery, I pretty much had maybe a month of relief. No, I didn't even have a month of relief because after my first surgery, the internal pain came. And so my internal pain, I had never had before, which I was so lucky because so many women with endometriosis suffer with internal vaginal pain. Like a tampon going in causes pain. Anything going in causes pain. Movements cause pain. And I never had that. And after my first surgery, the pain was awful. I could not do lateral movements. I could not jump. I could not run. Everything just hurt all the time. That's when I started going to pelvic floor physical therapy. And also the doctor didn't even tell me to go to pelvic floor physical therapy. He just said, "Mm, it'll probably go away. So useless. He's no longer a practicing doctor. And pelvic floor physical therapy helped for a while. I started doing treatments for my hormones and that helped a little bit, but the periods were still so bad. And the bloat. Bloating has always been a big issue for me because I also have a ton of GI issues. I have what they call pre-Crohn's disease. It's too bad to be IBD, but not bad enough to be full-blown Crohn's. So they call it pre-Crohn's. 
and always had chronic constipation issues, just the whole shebang. And the bloating was so bad. But at this point, I had fixed all my gut stuff. Like my gut health was under control, but the bloating was different. I know when my bloat is from my GI issues. I can tell when it's different because I know my body so well. And all of this bloat came from down low, came from my uterus. And the best way to describe it is it's just so heavy. It is just this dull ache, heavy pain that I literally would tell my mom, like, I just need someone to just come and hold my belly up. Sometimes you'll see pregnant people, like people go behind them and hold their belly up for them when they get towards the end. That's what I would love because the pain was so unbearable and it would just hang there and nothing really helps it. Like you sit with the heating pad on and it just like feels nice, but nothing really makes the bloat go away. And my bloat especially would be bad from movement. So like if I was standing for long periods of time or walking, my bloat would be so bad. I literally looked like I was like eight months pregnant and it was just so painful. People would be like, well, it's, it's not that bad or stop it. You don't look bloated. I'm like, it's not about how it looks. It's about how it feels. You don't understand that kind of pain unless you've had it. And if you've had it, I'm sorry, because it fucking sucks. And I just, the issues just kept coming and I knew I was going to have to have another endo surgery. And I've known so many women since I've gotten into the endo world that have had seven, 10, 15 endometriosis surgeries. And I knew that wasn't for me. I feel like I have lived a thousand lives in my 25 years here on this planet health-wise. And I knew that I wasn't going to have children. So I've been asking for a hysterectomy essentially since I was 14. And I knew that last year was my moment to ask for it and hopefully get it. So I did. I found an endometriosis specialist. Throughout this journey, after my first kind of botched surgery, I learned that there are actually endo specialists out there, not just regular gynecologists who specialize in endometriosis and adenomyosis and all the things. And I found one who lived close by to me. And I remember I was part of this Facebook group and I was kind of wishy-washy about this doctor. And I saw someone post about this doctor in their in the Facebook group about the surgery that this woman had. And this doctor found the endometriosis everywhere. Like she looks everywhere. She doesn't just look around the uterus and she also has helped there. Then I started like searching her name and I found people who like, she, I don't just can't describe her. She just seems like a miracle worker. So went and saw her and my mom came with me. If you've listened to the podcast, you know, my mom is my champion. She's my advocate, my bestie. And this was a big one that I was like, mom, I need you to come with me and fight for me here because I have a feeling that they're going to push back because I've brought this kind of up before to people that I would like to just take it. I literally would just say, just take it. I don't need it. Please just take it. And people are like, you're so young. They're not going to do it to you. They're not even going to consider doing it to you until you're 30 because God forbid you know what you want to do with your life before you're 30. Like that doesn't make any sense. But my mom, I would say this when I was younger, like, I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to have kids. And she'd be like, oh, you don't know that. Don't say that. And in 2019, October, actually, of 2019, we went to a Lyme disease conference in New York City. And one of my old doctors actually was presenting. We didn't know that until we got there. It was super exciting. And she was presenting at a session that was about congenital Lyme disease. And she was talking about how 
Lyme can be passed from mother to child. Because along with the Lyme controversy, there's not a lot of studies about Lyme disease in general, but there's not barely any studies done about congenital Lyme disease or the transmission of Lyme disease from human to human. And this doctor was kind of doing a loose study, if you will. And from what she was finding, she was finding that it could be passed. She was finding that the women were having trouble keeping pregnancies. And I remember looking at my mom while we were sitting. Actually, my mom asked a couple of questions, I think, too. Like, she was just like, well, what about transferring your eggs and do and having a surrogate? And they were finding that this was like the crazy thing that the surrogates were losing the babies or the surrogates would end up with Lyme disease. And then they started having to test them beforehand to see, well, did they already have Lyme beforehand or it was just nuts. I'll see if I can find the recording from that conference and link it in the bio here because it's fascinating. And I remember I just like looked over at my mom and she had like a tear in her eyes and she just said, I get it now. And that was like a big shift for me knowing that like, okay, she's on my side for this too. Like it's kind of a done deal now. Like I'm not, like I wasn't going to have kids, but not going to have kids. So then last year I told her, I was like, mom, I'm making another appointment to see this doctor and I'm going to ask her for a hysterectomy. And we like went in guns blazing, kind of like we had a list, we had everything written out. We had found like, even like the world health organization and the CDC now say that Lyme can be passed from mother to child and we like had all this information with us. We walk in, I kind of give her my like spiel of like, this is my history. And she was like, okay, what are you looking for? And I said, I would like an excision of the endometriosis. And I would also like a hysterectomy at the same time. And she like looked at us. She said, can you explain how you got there with the hysterectomy? I explained exactly what I just explained here. And she said, okay. And she when she walked out of that room, my mom and I like cheered. I think I had tears in my eyes. Like we were laughing and smiling. I was just like, this is something that I have been dreaming about essentially for 10 years. And it sounds weird to say that you're like dreaming of a surgery. But for me, my uterus was, this is my favorite way to describe it. You know, in a health book, when you're in school, they show you a smoker's lungs next to a regular person's lung. And the smoker's lungs are like covered in black tar kind of looking. That's how I envisioned my uterus. Like it was just this black tar sluggish thing that was essentially sucking the life out of me. And it was an organ that I didn't need. Like it was, I did not need it. It was serving no purpose for me. And when I had it removed, I literally felt a shift in my body, like for the better. And that's what we're going to get to now. So I had the surgery and surgery itself that was a time. My surgery got pushed back. It was supposed to be at 7 a.m. I did not go in until like 3 p.m. But they gave me like the pain meds hours before. So I was high out of my mind. Hadn't had food in I don't know how long. Had the surgery. Get up from the surgery. I threw up, I think, in the recovery room. And I like rarely ever actually throw up. Threw up in the recovery room. Still, I had not had food in like 24 hours. Um, my mom, and then we were an hour away from home. My mom got me in the car finally. They send you like right home afterwards too, which is crazy to me. Like multiple organs removed and you go straight home. A wild world we live in. And we're in the car. She had to pull over on the highway so I could throw up. 
I think my dad had to come get me out of the car when we got there. I threw up again and I'm like, I have stitches and I'm throwing up. My gut was just cut open, throwing up. It was just bad. And the first night was really bad. I don't really remember much of the first day. Second day was like, okay. And I am allergic to rubbing alcohol. Super awesome when you're chronically sick and have so many tests and surgeries and all kinds of things done. But yes, indeed, I am allergic to rubbing alcohol and that is in my chart. And we told the nurse, this is a hospital we'd never been to before. And they don't give you the bracelet at this hospital that says allergy. They should just like, it's in your chart. They know it. And I was like, okay, well, two days after my surgery and normally the alcohol allergy shows up two days post whenever it's used on my skin. And I have an incision on my, like right below my right hip, my left hip, my bikini line. If you've ever seen someone that has cesarean kind of right there. And then they went through my belly button as well. And so the other ones, they all had like the glue on and my belly button, they had a bandaid over it. I'm also allergic to adhesive if alcohol is used below the adhesive. So day two, my belly button was getting really itchy and I was able to take the belly, the um, bandaid off after day two. So my mom took it off and my belly button was terrifying. It was so red. It was uh, hot. And then the bumps started showing up. Slowly but surely, my entire torso from like nipple down to the top of my thigh, I was covered in hives, red, itchy bumps. My mom is literally taking a cotton ball full of cortisone and like wiping my skin down. I am absolutely miserable. I'm swollen from the surgery, in pain from the surgery, can't have anything touching my skin. I'm literally laying like naked on the bed with the fan blowing on me because I can't have anything, but then I'm cold and then I'm hot. It was awful. And we ended up having to have the doctor, like the on-call doctor called in like prednisone for me. And also with Lyme, you're not supposed to be on steroids because that can cause issues. So I was already terrified about that. And she only called in like a little dose and it did absolutely nothing. And so finally on my, cause it was over the weekend too. It was just like everything bad that could happen was happening, but that's just very Cassidy of me. So then the doctor called in on Monday. We like on the phone with my doctor. Finally, we're sending her pictures. She's like, holy shit. And she called in like the full prednisone pack situation. And I also had to be put on antibiotics. Um, also with Lyme, uh, antibiotics cause you to hurt sometimes. So I was extremely terrified of that because my belly button was infected from the allergic reaction that I was having. And then also on top of all of this, I also was having to give myself shots every day in my stomach with a blood thinner because I have a history of clots because I had a pulmonary embolism in 2016. So I was having to shoot myself in the stomach every day too, that is infected with hives and swollen from being cut open. So the first week of my recovery was horrendous. It was awful. And knowing how awful it was, I would do it again to be where I am right now, which is really saying something. Because once all that cleared up, and I started actually like recovering 
like I said, it just like a shift in my body. My hair was growing faster and stronger. My nails were growing stronger. I just felt a little bit more connected to my body, which I always have been more connected, I think, than most people, but just like really felt like I was connected to my body. And I just knew that this was going to get me to the next stage. Like the, I had, I feel like I hadn't been living my life because my illnesses had been controlling everything. Like before my surgery, my endo pain literally controlled my life. Like I would not be able to go do things. It, what I wear, I never, ever, ever in my life had worn something that you could see my stomach besides like a bathing suit when I was a child, but like never, ever would I wear crop tops. Never, ever would I wear tight things because I'd always be bloated and post-surgery. I wear my first crop top. So that was a big moment, but I actually started liking my body too, which was weird and huge. But I also feel like I have learned over the past couple of years, like I have horrendous body image issues, mainly because of my illness. And I'm going to do a whole podcast about that too, but we'll get into it right now a little. But I didn't know what my actual body looked like because I would be bloated in some shape or form or swollen in some shape or form in other parts of my body from my illnesses. So I really had honestly no idea. And I remember like after this swelling went down a little bit and I looked at myself and I was like, oh my gosh, that's my body. I like it. I like her. She's hot. She's cool. Like, that's awesome. I have a little belly. She's cute. But guess what? That's not bloat. That's just me. And I still feel that way now. Like, it's just, this is my body and I like it. And I did not like it last year because it wasn't actually mine. I felt like it was being controlled by something else. And that would be the endometriosis. So the initial six weeks, I was at home. I was on short-term disability from work. So thankful for my family that has been taking care of me for 11 years and took care of me so well last year. My little niece took me on my daily walks because I wanted to keep active. That was the hardest part for me because I am so active on the reg that not being able to lift anything over 10 pounds for six weeks was very hard. And just like being so exhausted and winded and in pain from just walking was hard for me, but started off slow. My niece would take me on a walk out of the room I was staying in on the first floor around our kitchen island and back. And then she would take me on a walk around the house when I got a little bit stronger. Then she would take me on a walk down the driveway. Then she took me on a walk to pick up my nephew from the bus stop. And slowly but surely, I built up my strength. And after six weeks, I was able to go back to my apartment in the city and be with my friends. And they took care of me as well. And then I started pelvic floor physical therapy. And my pelvic floor physical therapist, Dr. Pamela Soto, she's also been on the podcast. She changed the game for me as well. I'd been to several other pelvic floor physical therapists, and she is the first one that actually Everything from this surgery on, like it felt, everything fit, everything felt right. And Pamela definitely helped me and she fit. And she, from the get-go, had me start doing things. She was like, what do you like to do? What are the activities? And I told her everything. She was like, okay, we're going to get you there. And she did. And I did. I'm a great patient. I like to think, pat myself on the back of that one. But I do every exercise they tell me to do because why are you paying the money and going to see them if you're not going to do what they say? And... I went to her every single week for months 
paying out of my own pocket because insurance does not cover public for physical therapy. So I had my uterus, my fallopian tubes, and my cervix taken out. Three things, three things, pretty major surgery, if you will. And insurance does not cover the recovery help. That's just doesn't sit right with me. And the public for physical therapy really just slowly, I gained the strength back. I started doing motions. We found things that I like, "Mm, that wasn't right. And we pulled back a little bit. I would do what I wasn't supposed to sometimes and do too much, like going on like a seven mile walk, probably not the best idea. And she would yell at me and then I would listen. (laughs) And slowly and surely I built up all my strength. And I'm just so grateful that I found her too, because I don't think I would be where I am today without her help either. I'm going to backtrack for a second because I just brought up. So hysterectomy, (laughs) I didn't explain what hysterectomy is. Um, A hysterectomy, my hysterectomy, I had, like I said, my uterus removed as well as my fallopian tubes and my cervix, but I do still have my ovaries. I was able to keep both my ovaries. My doctor removed all of the endometriosis that she saw and she looked everywhere. She found endo on my bladder, which was really validating for me because I always had bladder issues too. Especially there was a time years ago that I can remember that I literally was like calling the doctor like once a month because I thought I was having a bladder infection or a UTI. And then I figured out that it always coincided with my cycle. It would be when I would kind of be ovulating. And I think that's why, because there was endo. She found it on some of my ligaments um, in my belly, which I think also was why movement was such a trigger for my bloat and pain, which was also fascinating. And I know there is no cure for endometriosis. I have to say that. There is no cure for endometriosis at this moment in time. A hysterectomy is not a cure. I know that the endometriosis can come back maybe someday, but I'm so confident in my doctor that she removed what was there and that if it does come back, it will be way less, knock on wood, than what it was before. But either way, I don't have the period issues, so I would do it again. Like to not have to bleed three weeks out of every month, mine, like it, it's literally life-changing for me to not have to be in that pain, to not have to worry about bleeding through things, to not have to honestly spend the money on like feminine products because they're fucking expensive for no reason, to just not have to deal with that part of it all on top of everything else that I already have to deal with. It's kind of awesome. I went to a new um, gynecologist recently because I was like, oh, I haven't had like an annual exam in like a couple of years because I was dealing with all this endometriosis stuff. Maybe just like a good idea, you know, go have a breast exam. Make sure you do your booby checks, people. And this is a new one. So I had to give her my whole spiel, my whole history, which takes some time. So I tried to give her the Cliff Notes version. And I get to the hysterectomy part and she's like, oh my God, you like never have to worry about a period again. She's like my age. This is why she talks like this. You never have to like worry about getting pregnant. You never have to worry about getting cervical cancer or like most of the stuff that can happen down there. This is awesome. She's like, thank you so much. Cause yeah, I feel the same way. This is awesome for me. This was the right choice for me. 
And that's how I'm here. This is not the choice for everyone. And that's the beauty of it, that everyone should be allowed to make whatever choice is the right choice for their body. But this was the right choice for me. And I'm so, so, so grateful for just everyone involved. And let's continue with the healing process. So pelvic floor physical therapy started that at week six. And the other thing that most people that I've like, I watched a lot of videos about people with their hysterectomy recoveries while I was recovering. One thing I didn't see people talk a lot about was sex. And that was like terrifying for me. You're not allowed to have sex for 12 weeks. Um, and that's fine. Cause like at 12 weeks, I barely felt like a human being still. So no worries there. But the thought of having sex when I was in so much internal pain before the surgery, I did not actually have internal pain after the hysterectomy surgery, which was amazing. But I was just so scared. What if it hurt? What if things went wrong? What if I started like gushing blood? Just what if like I I was terrified. And also as someone who's like not in a relationship, like what if I, it, there were so many questions. But lucky for me, I have um, a pretty great friend that uh, volunteered as tribute, as I say, to help me out there. And I'm grateful for that friend as well, because the first time that I did have sex post-surgery, I did bleed which was not supposed to happen. So that was a journey as well. And I had to go back to my surgeon because she literally said, as I was leaving her office after my six week checkup, me and my mom are there. She looked at me and she was like, after the 12 weeks, you can have the most boring vanilla sex of your life. If you do not have pain and you do not bleed, you can go about and have the most craziest, wildest sex of your dreams. But if you bleed or you have pain, you have to call me and come see me. So I listened to what she said and I bled and had to go see her. I went back to her. She was a little confused about why I bled, which also very Cassidy of me. And she thought that maybe there was just some like irritation or something. And she put some sort of numbing agent or something in there and then was like, try again in a week and then see. So tried again, no issues, sending me off on my way. But mentally that hurdle was very terrifying because of that it like what if something goes wrong and that's just like it was just a scary time but people don't really talk about that so I just figured I should just mention that like it's okay to be scared after you have major surgery of trying that and having someone who like is kind and will help you out there also a plus don't pressure yourself go at your own speed moving on here also, along with my recovery, the one lingering issue I had was pain was sitting. I could not sit for long periods of time. My belly would hurt and I would swell down like kind of where the incisions were if I sat for long periods of time. And at first I also couldn't – no, I think I could wear pants. No, I was able to wear pants with this surgery. That was my other surgery. And – I, like at work, they ended up getting me a standing desk when I went into the office, which was nice. I have a standing desk in my home, so that's nice. But it was because of my muscles would get all tight sitting 
And so my physical therapist, Pamela, would massage them. She taught me how to stretch them. But that was the longest thing. That probably took probably like six months for that to finally stop, for me to be able to like sit for longer than like three hours and be okay. But like when I went to California in June, sitting down for six hours in the plane, I was in extreme pain when I got there and had to like, I almost threw up, but I had to like lay down and stretch out my belly for a little bit, but I just stretch it and massage it and it's fine. And that's it. That's the only issue. Like to go from where I was last year, two years ago, like it's so crazy to me that my life is just like, this is where I am. I'm able to run. I have gone on like, not several, but like a handful of runs and I'm out of shape. That's why, but I can run and I don't bloat afterwards. The first time I went on a long walk and I didn't bloat afterwards, I think I cried tears of joy because it was just so aggravating. I live in a city. I walk everywhere and I wouldn't be able to walk because my belly would bloat and I'd be in pain. I literally would wear a belly band because it would hold up my belly so I could walk. Like it was just so, such an inconvenience on my life. And yes, the surgery and recovery was painful at first and took longer than I thought. But once again, I would do it again to be where I am. I had made a deal with myself for my surgery last year that by today, October 26, 2023, I would be back to where I was pre-surgery, like fitness-wise, like lifting. And two months ago, I passed where I was lifting-wise pre-surgery. I was able to run and I wasn't able to do that pre-surgery. So I have surpassed my goal, which is awesome. And I just keep saying how happy and grateful I am, but I really am. This was the best thing that ever happened to me besides health-wise. I can't say best thing ever because my niece and nephew are the best thing ever. But health-wise, it's a tie. Finding Dr. Shayadon and having my hysterectomy. Those are the two best health things that have ever happened to me. And I'm saying all of this too, as I am literally sitting here coming out of a flare-up over the last month, a Lyme flare-up. And I started about a month, it's probably been like closer to two months now, actually. I started getting paralyzed again. And I got, I've been getting paralyzed, I figured out for eight years. For eight years, I have had episodes of paralysis, but this was the first time probably in the last like year and a half, two years that I got paralyzed. So that was kind of scary. But if you follow me on TikTok, I've been talking about this. So you can watch some of those there. I have realized during this flare up that my Lyme has been in remission, I think for like two years. I really think all of the issues that I had been having were related to my endometriosis and my hormone imbalance issues that came along with all the other female issues. And that was kind of awesome to realize that my Lyme had been kind of quieted. And yeah, but I'm feeling better. Today is a good day. The paralysis was really bad for the last few weeks. I was severely depressed. 
And I said to my doctor, I saw her last week and I got paralyzed on the doctor's table. And she was just chatting with me while I was paralyzed, which was great because it kept my face from getting paralyzed. But um, I said to her, I was like, hey, like my endometri- or my hysterectomy anniversary is next week. And she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been like a year already. And I said, yeah. And I said, you know what? If I was having, if I hadn't had that surgery and I was having all of those issues still, the endometriosis issues on top of this flare up and being paralyzed, I, it would have just, I can't even imagine. It would have just been, I just, just, it's just so nice to not have those issues. Like it really is. It's just changed my life in so many ways. And I feel like I don't, when I'm not going through a flare up and getting paralyzed, I don't think about my illnesses. And that's such a freeing thing going for a decade, literally every day, just thinking about them and them controlling everything. So yeah, today's a good day. I'm, I'm just living my life. My monthly subscription was canceled. And for that, I am grateful. I have worries sometimes about the kids thing. Just like, I can't have them. That's not an option here. Will I adopt down the line? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens in my life. But will it freak people out that I don't have a uterus? If it does, they're not the right person is kind of my motto. And I like to make jokes about it now to people because that's just the kind of humor that I have. But I don't, I have nothing else to say besides the fact that getting a hysterectomy was the best thing that ever happened to me. It is not a cure, I know. It did cure a lot of things for me, though. And I am so grateful for my doctor for not questioning me, for my family and friends for helping and supporting me. And I'm really fucking grateful for my body. She's just a bad bitch. She's been through the fucking ringer time and time again. And she's still here. She's honestly, I've been paralyzed for two months now and I still think I'm doing so good. And I'm just grateful and I'm very happy. And yeah. So that is the story of my hysterectomy, October 26th keep that date in your mind because it is my new birthday as I've been saying Liv my friend Liv gave that to me because she calls her spy anniversary is her birthday because I really do feel I became a different person when that bad toxic junk got taken out and my body started to really actually heal so happy October 26 everybody In the midst of all my happiness, I forgot what I do at the end of every podcast episode. I recommend a song. So my song recommendation for this episode is I Am Woman because I am woman. And that song helped me a lot. I listened to it a lot while I was recovering. And 
I've never felt more womanly and badass than I do now post hysterectomy. So that's my song. Thanks for listening. And once again, happy October 26th. It's a great day.